Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. All right, well, like you said, my name is Jaina, Pastor Jaina. Um, I am officially the youth pastor here, so on Youth Pastor Sunday, it's my jam, it's my day. And so, unfortunately, the pastor, he didn't go, get to go on vacation because, you know, he's married to me. So, that's, uh, that's where we're at. So, um, I'm going to just start today by uh, just, I'm going to read the scripture, uh, a word that I believe is for us. And then, uh, I'm a little nervous. Like, that's weird. I know. Just, thank you. Bye. All right. I'm going to read uh, scripture. If you have a Bible because you're a Christian and you brought your Bible to church, that's amazing. If it's on your phone, you're still a good Christian. It's cool. You can join me and turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, verse 21 through 24. And uh, my Bible is different than the Bible on the screen because we just want to have the most, the most holy version um, uploaded in ProPresenter. So I apologize in advance. I'll read it to the screen. 1 Peter 2.21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He who committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. That's Christ. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to stand here together today. And I thank you that um, I get to come to church today with my whole family. And, uh, God, I just pray that you administer today, touch hearts, change lives. And uh, we thank you that uh, you're in our midst. We thank you for your peace and your love that is found here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I don't know if you know this, but uh, it's a new year. This week is New Year. It's Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, it's a lot of new things in our lives uh, as a couple uh, and a family. Uh, new Year, uh, well, obviously we have to get a new car eventually because we're having a kind of an adventure. Um, we also have a new living situation. Um, so we have 12 people, 12, uh, sharing two bathrooms. And so just... Um, just go with it, okay? Um, but yeah, so we just have a new living situation. Uh, we have some friends living living with us, and it's really, really fun. And, um, you know, when people are in an accident and stuff, sometimes they get a new outlook on life, right? I mean, they're supposed to or something. That's what people tell you. And New Year's, New Year's resolutions. How many of you are into New Year's resolutions? That's what I'm talking about. Those are my people who are not into New Year's resolutions. All of you who are, God bless you. I am terrible at New Year's resolutions. I'm not going to lie. I have tried. I've tried and failed so many times. Um, so I just gave up, um, which I'm trying to get better at. Maybe that should be my New Year's resolution. <laughs> it's like not giving up. Anyway, so there's this one time I have to laugh because um, I, I actually kind of made a New Year's resolution. I was like, God, you know, I like to lose a little weight. I mean, can I get a witness, right? Okay, I don't know if you've met Asher, okay? But I think Asher was almost as tall as he is now when he came out, okay? So there was like a time, all right? Anyway, so I was like, God, I think I'd really like to lose weight this year. I just really think so. And, and um, you know, every time I pray prayers like that, I just laugh at myself because I just don't, I'm terrible at committing to things like that. But anyway, and um, 
so I think God heard my prayers, and it was really cool. He showed himself faithful in our family. Um, so what happened that year is, is um, we became broke. <laughs> it was great. Um, like, broke is a joke, right? And so I had to get a second job, right? And I got this second job, and I ended up walking, like, miles and miles a day. And come around the next year, I lost, like, 25 pounds. And I was like, God, do I praise you in this moment for your faithfulness or what? Like, it totally was good. God, you were good. I'm just kidding. That was a terrible story. But um, God is faithful no matter what, and I'm terrible at New Year's resolutions. Um, I've never made it through in a year-long Bible reading plan. Has anyone ever been successful? I admire you greatly. I am terrible. I read the Bible in a week, but never in a year. But I've started a year-long Bible reading plan like... um, I don't know, how old am I now? 42? Probably uh, 35 of those times. And so we're going to just turn to Genesis now for our um, Bible story because um, I could probably quote the first few chapters of Genesis because I've started there about 35 times. Just kidding. We're going to Genesis, and um, we're going to read. Oh, let me tell you what the title of our uh, little talk is today because I made a cute slide for it, and it gets adorable. So Jack, if you could show us uh, the title of what we're talking about here. It's called, uh, What Are You Sitting On? What are you sitting on? I just should say in advance that I have spoken to youth for a long time, okay? Just so, listen, you just got to go with it, okay? I'm trying to talk slowly, but uh, if anything I say offends you or bothers you in any way because it's about something that never is really spoken from from the front, just forgive me because I speak a different language. Okay, so what are you sitting on? To Genesis, we're reading chapter 29. And Genesis, if you know where Genesis is, it's the first book of the Bible. It's the one that you read first on a Bible reading plan. All right. Genesis chapter 29. I am going to read, um, yep, chapter, verse 1. Chapter, number 1. I'm going to read it from the screen because mine sounds so different. Here we go. And Jacob continued his journey. He came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone was over the mouth of the well. It was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and they'd water the sheep. Then they'd return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. Just a second. So we have a situation where Jacob's on a journey, right? Jacob is like one of the big three, right? The big three. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, fathers of our faith. It's like the foundation of some of our Old Testament stuff. Jacob's a big three, okay? Jacob um, had had an interesting life up until this point. He was his mom's favorite. He had a twin brother, um, and his twin brother was his dad's favorite. Uh, Jacob had been known as kind of a deceiver. Like he was sometimes, they, people would translate his name to mean that or supplanter. Uh, Jacob was uh, a homebody. My son calls him like the good cook, right? Um, my son likes cooking. Jacob, uh, he had done some pretty, pretty sketchy stuff. He stole, well, he didn't stole. He sold his, uh, or he, excuse me, he bought his brother's birthright, his older brother's birthright with a bowl of soup. Um, and then just before this situation that we're reading right now, he stole his older brother's blessing. Okay, so Jacob, even though he's one of the big three, there were some things going on in Jacob that weren't so legit. So anyway, Jacob's brother Esau, he was a cool dude, but he married some women that irritated his mom and dad, right? 
He didn't just marry one woman. He married a couple, which already is a problem. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's like just saying sister wives. Okay, there's a reason. But so he married these women. They irritated his parents, and his parents were like, listen, Jacob, like you got to get out of here. You got to go get yourself a woman from our people. You got to go to the land of my fathers. You got to find a good woman because your, your brother's wives are driving me crazy. So Jacob's like, all right, he's on the journey. He comes to this, okay? So he gets there, and they're at this huge well. There's a huge rock on top of the well, and all these, like, shepherds. Now, listen, shepherds were probably not weak. I don't know. Like, they were out in the fields. They lived out in the fields. They were working outside all the time. They probably didn't smell so good, I'm just saying. But um, they were with their animals. They were not weak men, okay? And there's shepherds, three of them at least. All these flocks are around. There's probably more than three. And what do they say? Joseph gets there, and he's like, what's up, my brothers? And the brothers say, hey, we're just waiting for everyone to get here so we can all move the rock so we can water the sheep. That's the story. Okay. So Jacob says, my brothers, that's right, where are you from? And they're like, we're from Har- Haran or Haran or pa- Dr. Paul, how you say that? Okay, awesome. So, and, and he's like, man, that's the best because that's where I'm going. And so he says, do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? And they're like, yeah, we know him. Okay. And Jacob says, well, is he well? And they're like, yes, he is. Oh, by the way, here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. She was a shepherdess. That's legit. Okay, so here it is. He says, look, the sun is still high. It's not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them back to pasture because he wants to talk to this lady. So what is it happens? They say, we can't. We can't do it until everyone's here because the stone is giant and it takes all of us to roll it away. That's what they said. They didn't really say that, but that's what they meant. So they said, then water it. He's still talking with them. Rachel comes. She's a shepherd. S. Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban and Laban's sheep. He went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. This is my favorite scripture to preach on in youth group because it just speaks to, like, young passion, right? Like, seriously, he's there at this well. There's this massive rock, and there's all these burly dudes. Yeah, this is how I imagine he looked when he saw Rachel the first time. Yeah, right? Just like him. All right. So he's there. He's like, why did you guys water in your sheep? And they're like, man, that rock is too big. We can't move it. We wait until everyone gets here. And we all group effort it. We move it. Jacob sees this woman coming, and he's like, she is so fine. Woo! And the surge of adrenaline comes, and this boy gets up, and he moves the rock himself, right? And he's like, that's right. Right? Now we're going to water the sheep. And he's like, hey, girl, what's up? Right? Finds out that she's actually his cousin, which was uh, not weird then, totally weird now. Okay? Just saying. All right? But wasn't weird then. They rejoice and celebrate. And he goes to her, un- her father's house, who is his uncle, and they get married eventually. So that's the backstory of what's happening. I love that because passion is powerful. Right? Passion is powerful. They have one encounter, and that affected his life completely for at least the next 14 years, right? 20 years, actually. But uh, many of you have had an encounter, right? That one time you laid eyes upon the one. Hmm. 
and your life was transformed in that moment. I love to tell you about the first time that Dale laid eyes on me. Please don't be offended. He was young. The first time Dale ever saw me, I was dancing on a table. That's right. At Joe's Crab Shack. It's a family restaurant, people. Get your head out of the gutters. Joe's Crab Shack. I'm dancing on the table. And there he is. I'm doing my little thing. I look down. And Dale's sitting there. He's got like this surfer shirt on. Like his button is kind of open. And I noticed him. I noticed you, baby. <sighs> He's sitting there with a friend of his. And his friend knew me. Because he'd seen me before. I played in some bands. And I'd been around the scene and stuff. And, and his friend says to him, dude, I totally know that chick. And Dale's like, don't you? No, you don't. Shut up. Don't you don't know the chick? And he says, yeah. I totally saw her when she was playing music one time. I know that chick. And Dale's like, shut up. Don't. No, don't. You don't. And his friend says, dude, you're totally going to marry that chick. And Dale looks at him and he says, no, I'm not. He says, she has a lazy eye. <laughs> That's right. So I don't think that his response was quite the same, but it was a good one. It was going on. I might have had a little twitch thing going. I was drinking a lot of coffee back in those days. And uh, so I don't know. For the record, I don't. But we ended up getting married. God is good. But yes, so, so Jacob sees this woman. He's overcome with supernatural strength. He moves the rock, waters the sheep, and she's like, whoa, baby. And he's like, yes, Lord. And then they get married eventually. Eventually. All right. So they get there, and they get to uh, Laban's house. And uh, Jacob's like, hey, Uncle Laban, I need to, like, I need to get with your daughter. She is amazing. And he's like, have I got a deal for you? Here's what we're going to do. You're going to work for me for seven years. Then you're going to get this lady for your own. And uh, he's like, no problem. He works seven years. He says it's as if he worked only days because his love for her burned so hot. It didn't say that, but that's Jane's version. Okay. So he finally gets to the time where he's going to get married. It's a wedding week. And I don't know what Joseph was doing. But somehow, when that boy got in the tent and had the best wedding night of his life, because it was the first one and only one, um, just kidding. He, it was the wrong lady. And he didn't even notice. Like, what? He was so overcome with, I don't know. But so he gets there, and he's with Leah. Leah is Rachel's sister. And she wasn't the promised wife. She was the older wife. And so Jacob had been fooled. And so then he gets through this, this bridal week, which is like about a week, right? And then he gets to marry Rachel. But in, he gets both wives, and then he um, continues working for another seven years to pay off all the wives. All right? Now you got the backstory. So things uh, weren't going so well for Jacob when he was working for Laban. Laban was a crooked dude. Okay, Laban, like, told Jacob at one point, hey, Jacob, all the sheep that have, like, spots, those ones can be your ones. I'll take all the pure sheep. So Jacob pray, and then he, he, the sheep wouldn't have more sheep and so on, and then, like, all the really strong sheep would have spots. And then Laban would be like, oh, just kidding. Um, actually, the spotted ones are mine, and you can have the striped ones. And so Jacob was like, okay, God, 
well, help me out, Lord. And, and then, then the striped ones would be born, and they would be the stronger sheep. And suddenly the spotted ones would be weak. And then Laban would be like, oh, man, I was just kidding about that. Actually, um, you can have the ones who are, you know, whatever, green, okay? The green ones are yours, and I'm going to take all the ones that are like brown, black, white, or any, any version, or whatever. Laban was crooked. And so Jacob's working for Laban. And he gets his wages changed over and over and over again. He's finally like, this is dumb. This is dumb. We got to get out of here. And so he calls his wives over, and uh, he's like, listen, ladies, we got to go. Your dad, he is like, he's, he's, he's cheating me. He's cheating me. He's lying to me. We got to get out of here. And uh, they had heard some grumblings. In fact, we're going to read a little bit uh, more. Of, of scripture here. It's kind of long, so bear with me. But uh, they'd heard some grumblings, and uh, they were a little bit nervous, and so they decided it was time to get out of there. Okay? So we're going to read uh, Genesis chapter 31. And uh, I started in one. Okay. Just read along, people. This is good. Here we go. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father which what we all know was totally ridiculous because Laban was the crooked one. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude was not what it had been. So the Lord says to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So go home, Jacob. So he says to Rachel and Leah, come on out. I got to talk to you. Right? So he says, I see your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all of my strength. Your, your father's cheated me. He's changed my wages ten times, but God hasn't allowed him to harm me. If he said, the speckled ones will be your wages, then the flocks gave birth to speckled, and the streaked ones, they had streaked. But God has taken away your father's livestock, and he's given them to me. All the strong ones were his. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw the male goats mating with the flock or streaked, speckled, spotted. And the angel of God said to me, here I am. Or Jacob, here I am. And he said, look up and see them. All the ones that are mating are the ones that I'm giving you, essentially. I'm the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar. Now leave this land and go back, to go back home. So Rachel and Leah said, man, our dad has put us off too, basically. Do we even have a share in his estate? Does he even, like, think of us as his? No. He sold us, and he's used up all that was paid for us. Surely all the wealth God took away from our father belongs to you and your children, so do whatever God's told you. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove them all ahead of him and all of his goods to go back to Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel went in and stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean, Aramean by not telling him he was running away. They stole away. So he fled, they crossed the river, and head for the hill country. All right, hold on there. So there they go. Obviously, there had been a lot happening, right? They're working, they're doing their thing. Um, Jacob is a man of faith. He's praying. You hear a lot, you read a lot about the Lord speaking in this moment. He had these wives who knew he was a man of faith. They're getting ready to go. They're getting ready to go into the new thing, into the new place. Loading up, and Rachel goes into her father's house. And she steals his household gods. Can we just read, if you can find it? We're going to read uh, 
31, uh, verse 30 on. So Laban follows, and he says this. I know you left because you need to go home to your dad. That's fine. But why did you steal my gods? And Jacob says, I was afraid. I thought you'd take your daughters from me. But if you find anyone who has your gods, that person shall be put to death. So he says, oh, yeah. Back up one second. Sorry. He didn't know that Rachel had stolen them. So keep going. Laban went to Jacob's tent, Leah's tent, Rachel's tent. Female servants found nothing, 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 nothing. Rachel taken them, put them inside her camel saddle, was sitting on them. Laban searched for everything and found nothing. Rachel said, don't be angry. I can't stand up. I'm having my period. So he searched, and he didn't find the gods. Thank you. Um, Nice, right? She steals the gods. She's on the camel. They're riding away. Uh, Dad pursues, says, where are my gods? She says, oh, I don't know. And then she says, oh, don't check under me. I'm having my period. So then he wouldn't even touch her, right? Because you're defiled if you touch a woman who was having her period. So the question I have for you, after that whole big long story, right? Whenever I read the scriptures, I always read. Um, often I get different things out of them than most people. I don't know if that's a surprise to you. <laughs> but the question that we present is this. They're going into a new place, into a new land. Things weren't going so well, but they had kids, and they had all this stuff, and they had a lot of wealth, and they're stepping into the next. And what does Rachel do? She takes something from the past. She puts it underneath her, and she'll do anything she can do to keep it there, hidden, covered. So what are you sitting on? That's the question that we're asking today. What are you sitting on? What are you bringing with you into this new place? Um, you know, when you read a story like this, and there's always characters in the story. I love that the Bible is uh, full of flawed characters like me. And uh, you got to wonder, why would Rachel take them? Why would she do that, you know? Rachel had seen miracles. She'd seen her husband pray, like, God, you know? What's going on? Why, why are all the speckled sheep being taken from me now and all that? And she'd seen things change, you know. She'd seen provision. She'd prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed to get pregnant. And God gave her a son. Not just a, a baby. He gave her a son, which was really important at that time. And, and she'd seen these amazing things happen. She had a husband who loved her. She was cared for. He was willing to work 14 years just so he could have her. I mean, how crazy is this, right? But yet, when it was time to go, she had to take those gods and bring them with her. And we got to wonder, why? Why did she do that? Was she mad? You know, she was a sister wife. If I was a sister wife, um, things wouldn't go so well. All I'm saying is I'm very aware of being pray- thankful to the Lord that I was born in America and uh, at this time in history. Because I don't know. I don't know if my husband would live if I was a sister wife. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So just kidding, but not really. Okay, so, yes. So was she mad? Was she mad because she had to share her husband? Because she only had one son, and her sister wife had many. You know, I don't know. Was that why? Was she thinking that somehow these gods had power? You know, these idols that she'd taken? Did she think that there was power there? 
It wasn't really working for her dad, but I don't know if that's what she thought. Did she want to take revenge on her dad for mistreating him? I mean, that's a good reason, right? That might be a good reason. Um, did Rachel have bad character? I don't know. The only thing we read about Rachel is that she was beautiful. You know? She, uh, we know that she was kind of dramatic. There's a, a moment where she looks at Joseph and she says, Give me children or I'll die! <laughs> so it made me think she must have been, I don't know, young, but she was pretty dramatic. Um, we know that Rachel wasn't afraid to use people for her gain. She was the first of the sisters to give her maid to her husband so that she could have children by her maid, which is all kind of really outside of God's plan, right? Like, that whole thing was weird. Just saying. Um, she finally gets pregnant after all this prayer, and um, you know what she named her son, Joseph? Joseph was, like, saying, give me, give me some more. Give me another. It's like, Next. You know, what's your name, this kid? Next. You know, can you imagine? Even in her last moments on earth, she has another son. And instead of rejoicing, she names him like, life sucks and then you die. I mean, that's like the name she gives this kid, you know. She has, she has some really interesting character um, traits. And obviously we know she was really quick to lie, right? And so there's these, these questions, Why? Why would she take these things on the new journey? Why would she um, set aside the things that she had seen of God and need to take these things and that she was so willing to protect him that she was willing to lie and deceive? And then I have to wonder, well, where did she take, where did she get rid of him? Did she ever get rid of him? You know, did she keep him until the bitter end? I don't know. But, yeah, just my musing, whatever. So, yeah, but back to us. And uh, the question of, of what, are, what are we sitting on? What am I sitting on? You know, I, I always reflect, like, I guess New Year, right? New reflection, new time. You think about, um, everyone always asks, like, what's your goal this year? Where are you going this year? What's your, what are you looking forward to? What do you, and, um, and like, I try, right? I try to set goals, and I try to, to, to really give those things out, but, but, you know, I think sometimes a better question is, what are you going to leave behind so you can step into this new year without being chained, without chains behind you, right? Because we can set goals and aspirations, but man, what's that saying? That doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome is like insanity or something? I don't remember what it is, but yeah. And so the question that, that, that I think we should maybe ask ourselves is, what are we cutting off? What are we leaving behind? And uh, recognizing what are we sitting on? And I think, um, you know, we saw this happen with Jesus in the New Testament. Um, being a follower of Jesus isn't just something that, that we can do casually, right? In fact, um, I would charge that, that scripture that we read first off where it says that, that he bore all of our iniquity and he, he healed us by his stripes. Those were his stripes of, of, of being whipped and lashed and blood falling on the ground. And, um, and the, the idea that, that 
we're going to just casually follow Jesus into this new year, but yet we're going to hold on to whatever it is that we choose to be sitting on that we're going to bring along with us. I think that that's a question we really need to turn inward is what is what I would say today. We see this in the New Testament. Jesus is walking on this earth, and um, people wanted to follow him. And this one guy comes up to Jesus, and he wants to follow him, and he's like, hey, what do I have to do to be your disciple? You know, his disciples were doing these amazing things. People were getting saved and healed, and just awesome stuff was happening. And, and Jesus, this guy's like, what do I have to do to be that? And this guy was holding on to something really, really tight that he wouldn't let go of. And Jesus looked at the guy in the face, and he said, this is what you have to do. You have to let that go. And the guy was not willing. He was not willing to let it go. And this guy, the Bible talks about he went away heavy-hearted and sad because he wasn't willing to follow Jesus and let go of what he was sitting on. And I think that for us, as we go to pursue Jesus, I think sometimes what do we think? Why do we keep a hold of these things that we refuse to let go? Why do we steal our own idols and try to bring them into this next year? What are we stealing? Why? Why? Do we have an experience, a bad experience, where, where we think that we have the right to take that along with us? We have the right to be identified with that because it gives us an excuse to have bad behavior? Or it gives us an excuse to not trust God fully? You know? Why? why? Are we angry about something? Are we, do we just have a sin that we really like? You know? Do we have these things that we're taking with us? Offense. Do we have unforgiveness that we're going to take with us into this year because we think that we are entitled to unforgiveness? Have we forgotten that Jesus paid the price for that? Have we forgotten that actually if we take things with us, we're actually stealing from God something that he took for himself? And I think to myself, like, you know, when we, when we look at God and we, and we want to just be hiding and sitting on these things that we're not willing to, to, to expose because we're, we hold them so tightly. What good are they doing? But like when we look at God, what does God do? Does he look at us and he's like, oh, it's okay. I don't believe that for a moment. I think that God looks at us. I think he looked at Rachel and he was like, daughter, I love you so much. Why? Why would you think that these things underneath you have any power at all? Have I not shown myself? Have I not shown myself good? You prayed for a son, I gave you a son. You prayed for a husband that loved you, I gave you a husband that loved you. You prayed to be provided for, your husband is like the richest dude ever. Okay? You prayed for these things, I gave it to you, and she'd be like, yeah, God, but I know I got a son, but it's just Joseph. And he's like, excuse me? Just Joseph? Do you not know that the son that I gave you will save millions? The son that I chose to give you from the cries of your heart, just Joseph, is going to change the world? But he's just Joseph? Do you think sometimes that God looks at us and says that? When we sit here and we're like, God, you know, I'm ready to go into this next year, but man, you know, I'll be go this. We sing that song, Good, Good Father, right? When I sing that song, whew, that's a tough one for me. I didn't have a good father. I mean, so many of you didn't. We're all there, right? Not all of us. Some of you are amazing fathers, and I commend you. I had a bad father. He was terrible, <laughs> you know? 
And for me to proclaim that God is a good father is an act of faith every time. Every time. And for me to not walk through every day of my life holding on to the fact that I didn't have a good father, that I struggled trusting God because I couldn't trust the dad that I had here on earth. You know what I mean? What do I think? Do I think that God's looking at me saying, oh, it's okay? It's okay. You don't have to trust me. I know. I know you were hurt, honey. Mm. I don't think so. I think God's looking at me saying, I bought you with a price. I paid for you in blood. You were created on purpose. You have a purpose. And baby, you best get it together because we got to go. We have places to go. We are going on a journey to the new place. And you can't sit on that, right? And so I think as we step into this place, man, God's looking at you. Man, he loves you so much. And how dare we put our finger in the face of God and say, you know what, I got a right to this. For whatever reason, I'm bringing this with me. How dare we? That's my... Sorry, this was wrong in me. But I think that, um, you know, God is calling each one of you into a new place. Not just because it's a new year. My goodness, make your New Year's resolutions. Read your Bible plan. Please do. God bless you in that. I'm going to get through Genesis and be like, thank you. Just kidding. But I mean, you know, it's going to be good. But really, 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 truly, if you took a look into your heart and you were like, okay, God, Stepping into the new, stepping into the next. And what am I sitting on? What am I holding on to so tight that I'm willing to do anything not to have to let it go? Um, I think that uh, today and now is a good time to just come to the altar and literally lay that thing at the feet of God. Um, because when you walk out of here, you're walking into, like, yeah, the new. And, uh, and I just, I would ask that, that we just take a few minutes. Or they're going to play good, good father again, you know? And thank you for that. But as she plays, um, I, just, I just would ask that you would even just stay in here and, and check your heart with the Lord. And if you're like, man, I am free, and I thank the Lord for that. That is amazing. Then take this moment and pray for your year to come. Because, man, we got a lot ahead of us. We have a lot ahead of us as a church. You probably have things ahead of you as a family. We have things ahead of us as a nation. I mean, there are things ahead, but you don't want to be caught sitting on something. You know, when Dale and Eden were in that accident, um, and you get a call from your 17-year-old daughter, right, hyperventilating, and you don't know what happened. All you know is she can barely make words. And uh, it, it would... It would really be unfortunate to be in a situation where something like that you're facing and, and you've been holding on to or sitting on something that is holding you back or disqualifying you from the kingdom, you know? Because you're bought with a price. And God loves you so much. And his character is good. And he wants you. He wants you. That's it. He wants you. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. Come to the altar if you need to. Otherwise, just through this song until Pastor Dale releases you. 
um, just take a moment and recognize who God is. You can sit or stand. I don't care. I want to pray. Lord, I just thank you again so much for your word. And I thank you so much, God, that you love us and that you um, are desperate to fill our brokenness. And, and you're desperate to fill our empty spots. And you're desperate. And you're standing there loving us so much. And I pray, Father, that as we step into the next and step into the new, that you would help us recognize things that we're sitting on and that you would help them, us to set those things off so that we can be free. And there has, doesn't have to be any deceit or there doesn't have to be any lying to ourselves or any um, that we're carrying burdens that don't belong to us, that we've stolen from you. I pray that things would be made right today in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.